and welcome to episode number 36 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by the brightest minds in all of the gaming industry. I have a couple more of those here today. Three more to be exact. Dustin Galker. We have Brett Colson. We also have Adam Candy here. You want to stick around. We're going to have an interview with John Levy of The Score. Of course, they are getting into the sports betting market, getting into the real money sports betting. And we talked to him a little bit about how that came to be. Of course, we are on iTunes, we are on Stitcher, we are on Spotify. We would love a rating. We would love a review. We would love a five-star rating for this podcast. Hopefully, we are giving you the goods each and every week, and we appreciate you reciprocating by giving us that damn five-star review that we that we crave so incredibly much on this. Uh, oh, now now you're swearing though. They're not going to give. They're going to give us less stars because of that. I, I think damn isn't really a swear anymore. Oh, I think okay. we've All I right. think we've kind of like passed by that. You know, okay. I think we're I think we're good with that. Um, uh, hang around. Of course, we're going to talk to Wireac stuff. We're going to talk the whole DraftKings sports betting controversy and everything. But first, let's kick things off in Massachusetts. Uh, Dustin, you want this one or Adam? Uh, sure. I, I, I was tracking that. I, I'll, uh, t- I'll take it. There are now five bills in the past day in Massachusetts uh, that uh, would, would intend to legalize sports betting in some way uh, or, or study it. Uh, the latest one today came actually from the governor of the state, which uh, was not, I wasn't even familiar that governors in states could, could introduce bills, or at least in Massachusetts. Anyway, that one's uh, interesting in that it's uh, kind of an open free-for-all uh, in that anybody who wants to come in and get licensed, it sounds like they could under that under that bill. So um, that's good news for DraftKings, uh, which is, uh, I think, probably behind a little bit of that effort, maybe. Uh, they, they they obviously want an open market where they can go and, and open up their their mobile sports book. Uh, so, uh, yeah, good news in, in DraftKings' hometown. We also saw bills that uh, favor the casinos and bills a bill that favors the leagues and what they want, giving them a royalty. So we have kind of a the free-for-all of everybody's asking for what they want. They all have their own bills, it looks like, and... Uh, who wins? We don't know. Uh, this is the first day of, of these seeing these bills, but Massachusetts is like it'll be giving a really hard look at sports betting uh, 2019. It looked like one of the things that I saw in that bill uh, kind of mirrors the way that they did with DFS was no collegiate sports betting and no esports betting. And it also said that they were going to add a tax on to uh, DFS, which I think at present they are not getting taxed. Is that right? Right, no tax on DFS. Yeah, and I think, uh, yeah, uh, I think they're trying to match that law probably on the college stuff. I think New- right now in New Jersey's, I mean, New Jersey's the only place where you can't bet on on college sports, but that's only for New Jersey colleges and games that are in New Jersey. So uh, yeah, the, the little little goes a little farther there, but. Um, obviously, again, we're looking at these bills, and it's a, we can we can read them all we want, but these are, aren't finished products. Probably, I mean, it may, it's possible it is, but yeah, we, you look at bills, and we you, there's usually a little bit of an evolution to them. So we'll see what happens in Massachusetts. Now, Brett, when we took a look at this, and it got came through in Slack, you put uh, little clappy hands next to no collegiate sports betting. Is there a you you are not a fan of collegiate sports betting? Yeah, I've gone over this in the podcast already, so I don't have to go into it too much deeper i am not a fan of uh betting on amateur athletics i have been against it for a long time i don't think it should be uh legal until the ncaa gets its act together and pays the athletes that is my take on that hey i'm with you i i'm 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 okay with that as long as uh you know any anything that they would use i mean obviously betting makes the college sports more popular and so i mean it's certainly something that they would want to I, i get your opinion there for sure all right Adam, you are up. Let's talk about New York. Let's talk about New York, which has been quite interesting over the past few days. Um, 
We know that New York already has a law on the books from 2013 that would allow for upstate commercial casinos to start sports betting, but they have no regulations, and Governor Andrew Cuomo would like to change that. When his State of the State speech came around this week, we thought we might get some clarity on widespread sports betting, mobile sports betting in the state of New York, and instead the governor gave the industry a one-two punch and said, yeah, we'll try to push for these four casinos to start, potentially some tribal interests to start, but his budget director said that he believes that a constitutional amendment would be required in order to have sports betting widespread in the state. So that would push sports betting in New York back to at least 2021, which is less than ideal for the Empire State and great news for everybody in New Jersey. Uh, Gary Pretlow, who we know has been pushing both poker and sports betting bills in the Assembly in New York for quite a long time, though, told our Matt Cradell that he doesn't care about the governor's veto threat. He's still going to try to push legislation through to legalize sports betting. We know that bill in the past uh, included an integrity fee to the leagues. And we know that there already is a bill coming through in the Senate, and Pretlow said he'll likely match his up to that one. Uh, Dustin, going to you here, when we obviously we talked about handicapping states and, and whatnot, uh, when you were handicapping New York, were I know you said that they were a pretty big favorite. However, were you in that prediction? Were you expecting that uh, I wagering would come along with that? Yeah, I thought we were going to have the the online portion. Uh, I mean, Cuomo is uh, saying what he said is a, is a, is absolutely a setback. But you know, the the reporting that we've done that um, they're going to push it through anyway. I mean, if you if you get it, um, you get enough people voting for it, it doesn't matter. You can you can overturn a governor's veto. So that's interesting. Also reported this morning that um, we believe uh, a source tells us that uh, the gaming commission there is actually working on regulations to have have betting at the the four commercial casinos in the states, uh, and that that might mean a rollout uh, as soon as May if all everything goes according to plan, and if they actually do introduce those regulations. So it does, uh, you know, that that all meshes with what we heard from from Governor Cuomo this week. And so, yeah, I mean, Eric might be able to. Who was not here? Sorry, I always Eric, I usually <laughs> one Eric here. Eric who's in New York, Brett who's also in New York, uh, might be able to go get a get a bet down this spring somewhere in New York. Brett, you will not have to make that trip uh, into the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania anymore. That's actually closer than any of the casinos I could bet at in New York, unfortunately. <laughs> well, yeah, it's a, you know, um, okay. Well, then we'll we'll try to get we'll try to we'll try to send the uh, the Katina jet over there for you and and get them to to trip you down to the New York casinos. We we don't yeah, need you I'm making really, that trek. Yeah, I'm really pushing for Low to get uh, the mobile gaming or the mobile the mobile sports betting would uh, benefit me greatly here. All right, Dustin, Iowa, and if you are wondering, yes, Iowa is not a state that we've talked about very much on this podcast at all, but they uh, they came out, press release, all that and all that jazz yesterday and made a little news of their own. Yeah, uh, Prairie Meadows Racetrack and Casino has a, a partnership with William Hill. William Hill uh, is getting partnerships uh, pretty much all over the country. If there's a, a state or an operator who has a chance at once sports betting, it's, there's a good chance William Hill has signed a deal with them. So uh, I think this is, you know, you're going to see more of this um, placeholding for sure. Uh, you know, I, mean, I think that means Iowa is a pretty strong contender to legalize it this year. Um, going back to New York, I mean, all those com- commercial casinos have partnerships with people, DraftKings and FanDuel. So you're going to keep seeing a lot of these deals before stuff actually even happens uh just because people want to uh, you know if you're a sportsbook operator you want to have uh, an idea of where how you get in and where so uh this is not this is not a shocking 
uh, shocking thing that William Hill did the deal uh, makes a lot of sense uh, for the for the track as well and uh, level of comfort there with William Hill. So uh, I, I, if you're reading tea leaves, I think it means probably good news for Iowa sports betting that that it could happen uh, sooner rather than later. Adam, we lo- we turn our focus here to New Jersey and Pennsylvania. Let's first start with New Jersey. And of course, you know, we always talk numbers here on this very podcast we've talked new jersey and scrutinized those numbers pretty heavily here um we got some more numbers to talk about we just know that new jersey has posted a second consecutive month that would have passed your theoretical over under number that you gave us at 299 <laughs> uh back in vegas a while back during g2e because it's 319 for handle in december and that led to about 21 million roughly in Revenue for the operators in New Jersey, that tracks pretty closely with the results from November, 330 million, 21, uh, just a little bit more than 21 million back in November. And really the big story to come out of that is a charge by FanDuel uh, at the Meadowlands racetrack. Revenue up about two and a half million dollars, I should say a little more than two million dollars at FanDuel. And a little bit down uh, for DraftKings month over month. So FanDuel enjoys an overall pretty solid December, although DraftKings still, with it, especially with its app jumping out before everybody else, still has an overall lead for the year in revenue. And overall, when you look at handle for the year in New Jersey, with a B, we say it passed $1.2 billion. That is a that's a lot of money, I would say. Uh, that's a billion. That's a lot of money, and I imagine that this is probably. And now I, I'm not going to speak for you, Dustin, but maybe. I mean, let's say before we got the initial numbers coming out, and we knew that this was just going to start up. I would imagine this is probably quicker to that mark than you would have expected. Yeah, I mean, the billion uh, right away is is pretty uh, pretty amazing. Uh, you know, obviously adding mobile was a big big part of it, uh, and the rollout of that. You know, the adoption of mobile. Um, you know, Nevada, we know it's a little, you have to go sign up in person. The, the idea that you only have, you can sign up on your phone anywhere, uh, for sports betting, in New Jersey has made it really easy to, for people to get involved and, and, and actually start betting. So the, the ramp up, I mean, obviously if we were still stuck with just land-based casinos, I don't, we wouldn't be land-based sports books at the tracks and the casinos in AC. I don't think we, we'd have hit this point yet. So definitely, uh, definitely makes, again, we always emphasize this mobile wagering is where it's at. And I love Adam coming with the receipts. I don't, he'd say, he, remember what we were predicting in December. I don't remember what I ate for breakfast <laughs> today, but thank you, Adam. For yeah. That. Yeah. That was a good callback right there. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about Brett and I being in New Jersey a little bit later in the show, but I do want to share this and Brett, uh, you can jump in here with, uh, he, I think he was your new best friend or definitely Colton, the producer of this podcast, new best friend, but we uh, were trying to find some food one night. Not a lot of, <laughs> not a lot of places were open uh, very late. We were able to find one that was the only way you could eat. You had to eat at the bar. There wasn't even any tables open. So we ran into the chattiest bartender in the history of all bartenders over there in New Jersey. But one of the things was Brett had his little wristband on from being at the DraftKings thing. And the guy was like, oh, hey, what's what's that all about? And he proceeded to tell us that he and all his friends are on FanDuel and DraftKings. And we're talking, how old was he, Brett? Was he 20, 25, he said, or something he was, like that? 
he was 25. That was one of the 80 things he told us about himself <laughs> while we were sitting there. But yeah, he was he was 25 years old and like recognized the the DraftKings logo on a bracelet that that Brett had on, and then proceeded to tell us all about his his betting and he and all his friends are on FanDuel and DraftKings and things like that. So I mean, Brett and I turned to each other and we we're like, man, this is like the real life thing that we're talking about that this just is spreading like wildfire and it's the real world experience of these younger people kind of like getting in and he was talking to us about bets and they weren't you know they were certainly not big wagers by any stretch of the imagination but you know bets nonetheless and it was pretty interesting and what was was that like kind of like an eye-opening moment as it was as it was for me for you yeah i was just about to say it definitely was an eye-opening moment for me just like you know the first person outside of the event we really talked to is on DraftKings and FanDuel and uh, was really excited about it, you know, talking about all the different offers he gets every single day and all the, the free bets and the promotions. And yeah, I, it was, uh, you know, it was nice to be so close to it uh, for the really the first time and uh, pretty exciting for the space. Yeah, Dustin and and for and and Adam as well. One of the things he said, he was like, yeah, you know, it's like, you know, I, I go and I go and like, you know, I work a lot. And he's like, you know, I go like three days without betting and, and they'll just throw me a push notification that I have $10 free bet waiting on me. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and it was like the and it was like the greatest thing for him. He was like, you know, he's like, and of course, I'm going to go use it, you know, and, and all this stuff. So it's just yeah, I mean, it was a 25 year old kid that was, you know, making small bets, but it was just the small bets meant a lot to him and it made the games more fun and and things like that. So, uh, yeah, real real world experiences there. All right, Adam, tell us about uh, tell us about Pennsylvania. This is our first real month of Pennsylvania numbers because we were dealing with two weeks at one casino in central PA last time we got a report. So the December report is the most interesting we've seen so far. More than 16 million in handle revenue clearing two million. And we're dealing with three casinos at this point, including one apiece in the Pittsburgh and Philadelphia areas. So you're looking at Hollywood, Rivers, and Sugar House. And what we found interesting there was that the revenue was split almost evenly. And when we talk about Rivers and Sugar House, one being in Pittsburgh, one being in Philadelphia, one posts 5.581 million and the other posts 5.539 million. So symmetry at the uh, Rust Street Interactive Properties there. And we will expect that it will jump up even more in January because we had parks open recently. And just today, we have South Philadelphia Turf Club uh, coming online as well. And that's the one that is right in the vicinity of the four major pro sports stadiums. So I know where I'll be able to find Dustin Gowker at any given time. Mm. If if only if only Dustin back is now Dustin I don't want to confuse people here when he said coming online we do not actually have oh. online correct not online yet this is still just uh, physical sports books uh, online mobile betting should be uh, sometime this spring we hope if if everybody gets their 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 everything together so uh, yeah that we're hopeful of that it's also an interesting note like uh, the Hollywood Casino in the middle of the state. Uh, had the same revenue uh, as those other sports books in Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, despite the fact those those were only open for something like ten days, I think, uh, in December. Not even, maybe not even that. So, you know, er, the urban centers are obviously this is not really shocking news. Are, are going to do better for for sports betting? We already know that for FanDuel Sportsbook, which is just outside of New York. So, I think if you're a sportsbook operator, you probably want to partner with a casino near a city, and that's uh, that's going to be good for you. 
I would, yeah, I would imagine that that's probably uh, always good. However, when they do go online and there are apps available, I imagine, you know, the app wars will begin and whoever actually has the best app and gives the best promotions and offers can uh, can can probably make up some ground, I would assume. Yeah, absolutely. It's not like it's uh, it's game over. It's just it is just shocking to see. Yeah. Like how how much difference there is like the you know the, it's the, the retail the you know it's not shocking like there's yeah. sports fans in Pittsburgh and Philadelphia are rabid. I've seen there's a there's a guy who like kind of goes to the Rivers Casino on on Twitter and has been videoing the lines and just how long they are Rivers on, on <laughs> NFL weekends, which is it's just it's crazy to see, but it's also maybe not shocking because we we know there's an appetite for sports betting in both those places. And Brett, we are still two weeks away from these actual Super Bowl in 2019. However, if you head over to the lines, there are already Super Bowl odds up for 2020 if you are so inclined to lay down your money for a, over well over a year. Yeah, the Westgate released their way too early Super Bowl 54 odds. I believe yes, the Rams are 6 to 1 to win. Uh, next year, the four teams that are still remaining in this year's playoffs are the four favorites uh, for next year as well. But the Rams are out here at six to one. We've got the the Chiefs at seven to one. Those are the two favorites. And uh, the lowly Miami Dolphins are at three hundred to one at the bottom of the list. No other team is anywhere close to that. I think the, <laughs> the next lowest are around one hundred to one. There's about seven teams, I think, there. But uh, yeah, the, if you if you happen to somehow like the Dolphins next year, uh, you might find some value right now at the Westgate. And this is certainly not a picks podcast, but whatever you do, don't lock up your money on a six to one future for 14 months. Don't do that. Please, just, please just don't do that. Let's let's not don't be that guy is <laughs> you're only getting six to one. Don't lock up your money for 13 months on a six to one ticket. Just, just let's not let, let's give a little bit of advice here. Let's let's not have people rushing to the window to, to get down on the on the Rams there. Um, we're going to go to John Levy from the score. Dustin was able to sit down and get about 15 minutes with him. He took some time out of his day to tell us about what they are going to be doing in the space and how they came about in getting into the legal legalized sports betting in the United States. So uh, Dustin and John here in just a second. Now we're welcomed in by, with uh, John Levy, CEO of The Score, who uh, recently announced a deal for, for sports betting uh, in New Jersey and beyond. So we're happy to have John on the call. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. It's great to be here. Very good. So, yeah, I guess, you know, it, it kind of took us surprise when I got the press release of, of uh, you guys doing sports betting. So uh, maybe tell us a little bit about your company and, and, and what you were doing and, and why you decided to get into sports betting in the first place. Okay, well, there goes the whole 10 minutes, I can tell you that, but uh, I'll, I'll keep it short. Um, you know, uh, listen, PASPA, the repeal of PASPA really was sort of, the, is, is sort of, obviously was a big event. Um, but, you know, our interest in, in getting involved in sports betting really roots back when we launched the TV network, you know, which was uh, in the mid-90s in Canada, and you guys probably weren't familiar with it, but... You know, it was a, um, a, a sort of a, a, a digital sports television network. It was skewed to a younger audience. We had a ticker on it that never went away. We had the odds on the ticker. Nobody else was doing that. And it was really more of an open and authentic approach to sports, you know. And the, our guys on air weren't, you know, sort of suit and tie stiffs. They were kind of guys you go to the bar with and go drinking with. And we always had a more open and authentic approach to sports. And naturally, that would involve sports betting. We didn't do anything 
improper and nothing illegal or anything of that nature. But, you know, we talked about games where, you know, a field goal was missed on a, on a nine-point spread when they were up by six or seven, if you know what I mean. And the other networks would sort of say, well, that was interesting. And our guys would be pulling their hair out because they probably lost a $100 bet on it. So, you know, our audience on television and which which morphed into our digital application, which is obviously the, the, the score app, um, you know, was was always really interested in sports betting. And we always just treated sports betting as just, one of the reasons that people love sports, it's all, a part, it's all a part of the engagement of sports, right? So it was never a big deal to us. It was just always a natural way that people wanted to have fun relating to sports. So, you know, when we, when we, when we sold the TV network and we became 100% mobile and 100% digital, obviously we kept that whole theme going. And, and you know, we, prevent, we presented uh, – uh, you know, all sorts of sports news, information, data. We got, you know, 60, 70 people up here kicking out three, 400 pieces of content today, a day. Um, and, you know, we don't shy away from it. So, you know, sports betting was always in our DNA. It was always just something that was natural. So, you know, and, you know, and even long ago, even before the whole idea about PASPA being repealed, um, you know, we, we looked at ways of possibly, you know, getting involved in that, you know, from years and years ago in the old poker days, we thought maybe we'd get involved. And then when the law became uncertain, we backed away uh, in the DFS days, um, you know, daily fantasy when FanDuel and DraftKings were going absolutely crazy, you know, trying to grab all the market share. We were looking at a different approach to that. And when that uncertainty happened, we sort of tipped, we were sort of backed off and and, uh, you know, and then boom, then PASPA got repealed and, and all of a sudden it was a new ball game. So, um, you know, it's always been very, it's, in, it's very exciting for us to be able to get involved. Um, we're, we're ecstatic that we have, you know, we've got great partnerships with the BetWorks guys. And, uh, you know, we got our first access deal with Dennis Drazen, who I'm sure you guys are familiar with from Monmouth Park, uh, sure. that gets us into New Jersey. Um and, and now we really get to do what we've always said we wanted to do, which is basically capitalize on this amazing asset, the SCORE uh, app that we have, which you guys probably know is, uh, is the second most popular app in North America. ESPN's out in the lead, and then we're number two. And now we get to use that base and, and sort of engage our audience who are coming to us anyway and who are interacting with us. And, and basically taking all the data, content, and everything we're doing and then going betting elsewhere to allow them not to have to go anywhere. Just basically make it easy for them, give them the same sort of interface that we that, that made our app so popular and then allow it to flow through uh, under our brand to score. So that's why we're really excited. And I tried to keep that as brief as I could. But uh, that, was, that was pretty good. That's why uh, I, and I'm not. I'm, I will say this not to kiss your butt, but I actually do use the score. I I, I ditched ESPN for the score. I love I love the app. I think it's a great product. Uh, so thanks. And I, and and, I, and we get this. And I love that the sports betting uh, information is on there as well. It's uh it's cool stuff. So right. I, next step is uh is you know, we talked about what you how why you decided to get into. How'd you pick BetWorks? Uh, I mean, obviously there's lots of people. Uh, you had lots of people probably looking to to partner with you. How did you pick yeah. up pick Betworks, and and then maybe can you tell us a little bit about the plan for the future? Uh, sure, sure. Um, the, you're, that was a, that's a really good question because you're right. There's a lot of third parties that are offering you know uh, betting software out there, and and what we tried to do is is find. Uh, first of all, we, you know, we've always kind of felt that that the attack of the North American market, specifically the U.S. market. Um, on a state-by-state -state basis, 
you, you really you have to approach it differently than what sort of the traditional sports betting apps, which were all over Europe, um, um, and thinking that maybe they could just come to North America. It's it's, it's a different approach. So, a couple of things. First of all, we looked at um, BetWorks because you know the American market and their approach was 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 what they were focused on. Um, secondly, they got a great team of experienced people. I mean, we really have like uh, premier software, best in class individuals. Um, and and um, it, what was interesting is we really met David originally, David Wang, because we, we were talking to him to help, having him help us get access into the US market to try and find ways that we could get into various states as they opened up. And then when we got to know him in more detail, we saw actually what they had to offer. So. Um, and, and, and our sort of contention is there's really three elements that you need uh, to be successful in the business in the States. You need great software. You need great gaming operations. And that's what these guys bring to the table. And you've seen some of the people that they brought on board, Dr. Leila Mintis. They've got uh, uh, Clinton's been you know, involved in gaming and David's been in Vegas for years. So they got really solid people and solid software that, that we're going to be able to draw upon and all the operations that are going to make it work. So that's number one. Number two, you need access, and and that's and you know, and they helped us through their relationships get to know uh, uh, the relationship that we opened up in in Jersey uh, at Monmouth, and and then the third thing is to bring sort of the special element to it, which is where we really sh show up, which is in our user base and being able to um, approach the whole market in a differentiated way. Um, Sports betting, as I said earlier, is just one part of how people love sports. And that's how we're going to integrate it into the activities that are already going on in our app. And if, if you know, betting apps are some really great betting apps out there, but they're just transactional betting apps. What we have is a whole engagement, a whole relationship, like you were saying with you. And what we have to do and what we're going to do and what we're the process of doing is just sort of integrating um, betting at the appropriate touch points into, into what people are doing on a day-to-day -day basis. So, so that's, that's how we came to pick that works. That's how we got to go know Dennis and we got, you know, we're really excited about those relationships in terms of the future. Um, you know, these guys know everybody in the States and, um, are very familiar with, as you guys are each of the States as they're starting to open up and, and are helping us establish relationships. Um, so we're ecstatic to be in Jersey, but really that's just step one for us. And um, and quite frankly, uh, you know, we see this not only just as a U.S., maybe Canada in the future, but really our approach really is a could be a global approach to to how this happens. You know, I mean, there's no reason once we establish what we're doing here that we can't take this elsewhere. So we're very very excited about it. I mean, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure Canada opens up. You'd love to be able to serve that market as well, too. Right? Oh, for sure. I mean, uh, listen, we're, we're you know, we, uh, we, we have great um, brand recognition in the States, but our brand recognition in Canada is off the charts. Um, you know, if they, get, if they get that little thing changed, you know, in the criminal code or if there's a, a figure out a way that they can open it up in Canada, um, it would be also a big opportunity for us. But. But again, you know, in terms of raw numbers, you know what the ratio is U.S. to Canada, right? Sure. So um, um, we're very excited that we're starting down there. Yeah. All right. Last question. We'll let you go. Last yeah. I saw, it was mid-2019 for a launch. So when, when will we be betting on the score in New Jersey? You said it. Sometime. Okay. Well, it's still mid-2019. Right. Listen, we're, it's, it's, oh, listen, it's a ton of work. Our guys are working their butts off. Um, uh, you know, we're, we're confident we're going to be able to hit those target dates. And um but I, can, but I can tell you, you know, our reputation's on the line. 
that works reputations on the line. Um, and we're going to come to product with the same type of offering, uh, in the betting space that, that you're familiar, that, you know, that why you've grown to love the score itself. So, you know, we're not going to compromise this. It, it, it's, it's going to be the premier betting app within our brand. So, you know, it's, we're going to do it right. So we're not going to cut any corners and, and, uh, it will be sometime in 2019, and quite frankly, I'd rather, you know, whatever it takes to get it ready is what we're going to do. Very good. We'll, we'll be excited to check it out. Thanks for taking the time with us, John. Okay, thank you. Thanks for calling. So, Dustin, one of the interesting questions that you asked John when you were talking to him was, you know, kind of why they went with the company that they went with because there are just a ton of providers out there obviously we're writing articles about this every single day across our uh, family of sites out there and I, it was pretty interesting he you know basically his his answer to that yeah it's uh you know a lot of times you're going with somebody tried and true who's you know been in the european space who's been who's uh, you know operated sports betting either in you know nevada or the uk and then this is a new company that's out there that the score decided to go to betworks and uh yeah, it's. Uh, it, I mean, there's room. There's. I think the moral story is there's room for this kind of thing. Uh, this is uh, the score is a pretty big company, and they 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 picked out this new company that's got a lot of people, uh, gaming industry veterans. So uh, yeah, I mean, how will they do? I don't know. But uh, you know, it's a it's a big big media company with a with a, a sports betting tech startup, and uh, I'm excited to see where it goes. I actually did not have the app on my phone until you were interviewing John and I downloaded it and start messing around on it. And actually, the app is very, very sharp. So I can certainly see why it is so popular in North America and certainly can see the potential as well. If you are, you know, part of uh, part of that is is kind of someone looks up a score for a game and like right underneath that is like, Hey, you can bet this game tomorrow if you want to, or whatever it might be like any sort of way to kind of toss people to their sports betting product. It, it certainly seems like the, the way that this is going, it, that's a very interesting take on it all. I mean, we've speculated would ESPN ever get involved or can anything like that. And I mean, I think that with this being the second most popular North American sports app, it's, it's, I think it's a pretty significant thing. Yeah, it'll be. I mean, we're still. They didn't give us a whole lot of details on implementation. It'll be interesting to see how how the 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 app that that you and I have on our phone and how people in New Jersey will intersect with it. Can you? Is it just going to be I'm on a game and you have a button to go out there? Is that is it actually going to work like that? I, I don't. We don't have those details, but you know that's where it, that's where it is and, and probably should be going. And, you know, right now you get the if you have go on the score app, you get the the line when you get a, when a game has a score update. It's it's providing the 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 line and the the money line and the point spreads on right on there too. So. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a uh, you know, it's a feature of sports betting for sure in the U.S. Brett, you on that the score app, man? I know you look up scores. You on that the score app? What do you what's your what's your app of choice? My app of choice is actually the DraftKings Live app for for all things really uh, scores. Yeah, I I really like their the the interface on the DraftKings Live app. I do not have the score app. I'll have to check that out. Adam just still reads the newspaper the next morning. I assume is that what <laughs> that was is that what goes on with you? <laughs> I walk out to the driveway full of surprise <laughs> every single morning is I can't believe that team won. That's amazing. Uh, all right. We're going to come off of a fun topic, talking to one of the industry insiders there to something not so fun. Dustin, I'm going to let you take this away. I imagine you have gone over this and, and Adam can certainly add his commentary here as well, much more than me and Brett have. But we got an opinion issued on the wire act and everybody lost their their minds. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, this is this might sound pretty boring, but this kind of like could has a ch at least an opportunity to fundamentally change how things go down in the United States when it comes to gambling. So, so it's uh, it's a, a federal law, the Wire Act of 1961, which uh, the Department of Justice back in 2011 I issued an opinion saying this only applies to interstate sports betting. Fast forward to Monday, the DOJ issued an opinion saying, nope, that's wrong. Now it applies to any type of interstate gaming. And now this could potentially, uh, in addition to uh, possibly affecting sports betting and how it goes down in the United States, it could affect any kind of online gambling, online poker, online lotteries, even certain types of of, of retail lottery, possibly. You know, because when when you're talking about interstate gaming and how it and how it happens, like if it's online, you know, data is you know going all over the place. Your your phone, your transactions with banks. There's all sorts of things that could be potentially affected by this. So the, the Department of Justice has, has thrown the gaming industry into a tizzy. That's for sure. Uh, thanks to uh, Sheldon Nadelson, who's almost certainly behind the effort to get this Wire Act opinion changed. He's the the casino. Uh, he's the chairman of Las Vegas Sands, which owns casinos in and and Vegas and Macau and elsewhere. So. Um, yeah, this is, I mean, I don't think we're still trying to determine the impact of this and what it means in the real world, but it's, it's, it's certainly not unicorns and rainbows as far as the, the potential impact. Does it mean everything gets shut down? I don't think so, but it definitely makes things, uh, more difficult for the gaming industry as it, as it attempts to, to get more into forms of online gaming. Now, Adam, you are our resident guy that has worked in politics and, you know, he did mention that. Sheldon Adelson, and we did see an article, an op-ed, I think, from Ron Paul come out and basically say as much and more. Uh, how, uh, you know, the optics to you, does this look like a pat on the back for the $100 million that's been donated in the, you know, in the midterms? Um, I would use a more graphic representation of what sort of physical contact <laughs> it implies, but um, I would say that giving more than $100 million and getting the president in part elected and getting both houses of Congress for as long as he did with his mega donations to the GOP with using his newspaper as the only major newspaper in the country to endorse President Trump prior to the election. I would say Sheldon Adelson, noted anti-online gaming advocate, has gotten exactly what he wanted because there's no other logical reason that you would look at right here, right now, during the midst of an economic expansion via gaming that this would come down. Dustin, one of the things you mentioned, and I think that this is something that, you know, whether a, whether a person in a state, a lawmaker has any, whether, no matter how they feel about online gaming per, per se in the traditional sense that we talk about, whether it being casino or, or sports betting or whatever it might be, the, I think the big thing here is probably lottery, right? I mean, because so many states get so much money from the lottery and i know that there are just going to be very very few lawmakers that are going to be okay with you know people messing with their lottery money because that money actually you know for many of these things to get passed that that money had to be allocated to areas within the state that you know were needy they were needing a, a, a financial boost and i think we've already seen at least a couple lawmakers come out and say as much right yeah, I mean, here uh, all this other stuff is like, you know, sports betting is kind of ramping up, online casino, whatever, like it's a big issue for us but not for other people. If you start messing with the lottery in any state, you're going to bring down a world of hurt. I mean, I just saw a tweet from a representative in the house who's saying uh, from Georgia who's saying, "Yeah, we need we need to look at this, make sure this what the this wire act reinterpretation is not messing up the lottery." Like this is 
Like I, I can tell you from experience, the lottery is not is. I mean, they they're not not going to take well to this. And you know, if you're if you're a, a senator or a representative from any state with a lottery, you're probably you've gotten your your phone rung off the hook by 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 people uh, from but from your lotteries back home. I mean, Kentucky has a lottery. Senate President Mitch McConnell. Uh, I I would I can't believe he probably hasn't heard uh, from people who are concerned about what the DOJ just did and and how it's going to affect lotteries. So yeah, it's, it affects all this stuff that we care about. But like the uh, the lotteries are where if it, if this is potentially stopping anything that lotteries are or want to do, then I think then I think we're going to see some change pretty rapidly in, in the enforcement and what and how the laws might work in the United States regarding this. Now, Adam, another one of the things here that I've seen is the fact that while this opinion was updated, it doesn't necessarily mean that it is going to be implemented, right? I mean, this is a thing where they could withdraw if they wanted to. They could continue to amend. How does, how does this all play out? Another I think good, it's important sorry. to understand that the memo does not carry the force of law, that this is just an interpretation that will be subject to lawsuits, that will be subject to review. And I think a good parallel to look at is what happened with the Cole memo and Jeff Sessions uh, starting to walk that back in terms of marijuana, where state marijuana laws have been passed and it's legal in many places. And there was concern that once Jeff Sessions began what began uh, to look like a crackdown from the U.S. Attorney General's office, that legal weed would become extinct in the United States. I mean, that concern proved to be quite far-fetched as those industries are moving forward just as they were. So there's a long way to go between this memo and anyone being prosecuted. And Dustin, before we move on from this, I mean, there have been a lot of sensationalized headlines out there in the media, particularly the mainstream media that just kind of it's weird. We live in this uh, this headline reading world with like the average person, but it almost is like the mainstream media just reads headlines as well whenever they have a story that they don't really know all that much about and then just write these crazy clickbait headlines. But so despite what people are reading in the mainstream media with the headlines and whatnot, this is not necessarily as we sit here here today on January the 17th. This is not the sky is falling situation. Yeah, nothing is, you know, you know, changed in, in the real world. Let's put it that way. Like, like Adam says, it is, it's an opinion only. There's actually two, uh, two circuit courts in the federal, uh, in the federal court system that have said that the Fire Act only applies to sports betting specifically. So we have that uh, case law to deal with too. So it's, yeah, uh, online, uh, yeah, we saw the headlines. Online gambling is also legal, not just sports betting. Like, that's not true. Like, all sorts of stuff is legal. Online lotteries are in a bunch of states, online casino in New Jersey and elsewhere. Uh, you know, we have legal online sports betting already, even under the old interpretation of the, of the Wire Act. So it's, uh, yeah, this is it's kind of wild. It's but it's definitely not end of days. I mean, it's not again. I said it's not great, uh, but it's uh, it's going to probably end up in court in some way. And yeah, it all comes down to what the what the DOJ actually does with this. Do they just revisit the opinion with words to make to make Uncle Sheldon happy? Maybe. Or, or are they going to actually try to do something? Um, and and what that something is, we don't know. We don't know. Like they, we have the opinion, but we don't know what that what they think that means in the real world. If they try to prosecute cases, do I think they're going to go around trying to shut down everything in on the planet uh, in the U.S. that has to do with online gaming? I don't think so. Um, I don't think that's a realistic outcome. That's a uh, that would that would take a lot of work, and and I don't. I just, I just don't. I think that would look re- kind of ridiculous in today's day and age if they want to try to stop a bunch of state regulated uh, uh, things that are legal. So. 
Yeah, and Ron Paul basically uh, in his thing said that it's kind of a, you know, why would you be trampling on states' rights and things like that? If you want to read that, I think we link to that in several of our articles, but also head over to all of our sites. We are going to be keeping a, in, you know, we're getting opinions from legal experts. We're getting, we're talking to lawmakers. We're doing all those things. So be sure. LegalSportsReport.com, TheLions.com, all of our sites. We're going to be on top of this for sure. So Brett and I just got back uh, from the DraftKings Sports Betting National Championship. It was held over in New Jersey. If you are unaware of what this is, it is a $10,000 buy-in sports. It's not so much a sports handicapping contest because there's a lot of just kind of game strategy and things involved. But, you know, it basically 5,000 of the 10,000 goes into a prize pool. 5,000 becomes your live active bankroll. And then the person who has the most money at the end of three days of betting is is the winner. The winner in this particular case won one million dollars. And uh, you also get to keep anything that you won through your live bankroll. So, you know, the winner in this case turned his five thousand dollars into one hundred and one thousand dollars. That was the winning note total. So not only did he win the million dollars, but he also won the hundred and one thousand dollars that he turned that bankroll into. Um, let's start out with the good here, Brett. I mean, the good was one, we went in, you know, I, I, the space where they rented was a warehouse over in Jersey city. They turned the eighth floor of this warehouse into this gigantic, you know, pseudo kind of Buffalo wild wings type scenario where there's just TVs and couches and tables and everything everywhere. There was food and booze and the whole nine yards. And from a setup standpoint and going in and and things like that, I think that they did a, a really good job. Yeah, and on such a short time too. I mean, they, you know, it it did feel a little bit like they threw this together, but I, I kind of give them credit for that for you know making sure they were the first to try this in New Jersey, knowing full well that it could fall short of its guarantee, which it did by one point two million dollars, knowing that there probably would be issues, which you know we'll get into in a bit. But um, all things considered, I thought it was a really well run event for most of the. Most of the way. Yeah. Um, you, As you mentioned, it did fall short of what they needed to hit the guarantee in this contest. And so there was a lot of incentive for people to kind of sign up at the last minute, which I think that caused a little bit of the initial kind of rumblings. There were some people who had trouble kind of getting money onto the site because you couldn't bring cash. You had to either do it via wire or PayPal, or you had to go, if you wanted to do cash, you had to do it physically at the resorts casino over in Atlantic city. And so there were little things like that, the people that were chasing the overlay and and were trying to get in at the last minute, but all in all, a pretty seamless, uh, a pretty seamless process. I used, uh, I did enter the app worked fine for me uh, whenever we were making bets and things like that. I didn't really have that much of a problem uh, getting the money on there to buy in with. It was just kind of getting my limits increased and, and whatnot. So that that was all pretty good. And so we talked about this on the recap video on the lines, Brett. But, I mean, all in all, let's let's talk about, you know, we'll talk about the controversy here in just a second. But from a grand perspective i mean it got it got buzz it got you know the way it was set up the way that it was run the different things like that i think for like 99.5 percent of this i would i would call was a success yeah and i think most of the participants would agree even some of those affected by what eventually happened but i mean i thought the format was absolutely fascinating it falls right in line with what DraftKings does with its peer-to-peer dfs and pools contests i i think my my favorite part of the whole weekend was was Sunday when just a room full of sharp guys were placing the most unimaginable bets just 
to get exposure to some exotic bets and parlays and try to climb the leaderboard. I thought that aspect of it was just so interesting. So, I mean, like you said, it wasn't really a, a handicapping contest. It was a lot of game theory, especially for the second half of it. But from what I from what I gathered from the, the players participating, and I know you feel the same way, uh, I, I can see them running this same format again and a lot of the same people coming back and hopefully uh, more as well. Absolutely. So, Dustin, we were we were obviously kind of removed a little bit because we were doing coverage. I was playing. We were doing all the things like that. So from afar, I know you were following. What what, what was the buzz? Was was there or was there a buzz? Were, were there people who were, you know, asking about things and talking about it who were not, you know, who were not nece- who were not involved in any way, shape or form? They were just actually curious and interested. Yeah, I don't know if it was it was huge, but there was some mainstream coverage of this as well. There's, uh, you know, there's definitely people on Twitter. I mean, my Twitter uh, follow list is probably a little little more sports betting DFS heavy than most. So uh, there are people who are just interested in it for sure. Um, but yeah, I think I think there's I think there's some buzz here. I, you know, I you you wrote a column over at the lines about what you'd like to see changed and what would make it better. I think that all that stuff would be great as well. But um, you know, from afar, I look at the same thing. Um, it's, it, it's, 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 it's a new thing. It's cool that they tried to do it. I'm, I was impressed. They pulled it off, uh, again on such, such a short time frame. but yeah, then it kind of overtook was, was the controversy over, over the, the very last game and the, and the betting and who could bet. And that was, I mean, the interest in that then was over the top of just what the sports betting championship was uh, up until that point. Yeah, we won't we won't belabor the controversy. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably aware of it. But a quick brief is the fact that uh, it was written in the rules beforehand, but there was going to be no active bets made after the kickoff of the second game on Sunday. So that was when the end of all betting took place. There was no live bets, no halftime bets, no anything after that. Well, the problem became the fact that the first game ran really long and that it only got it only got extended even longer when the Chargers scored a garbage touchdown at the end of the game which you know then they got to go to commercial break and do all the different things like that and extended like an extra five minutes well there were several people in the contest that had made all-in wagers so basically they whatever they had in their bankroll they had put it all in play in that first game so that money was locked up and when that money was locked up you can't have money to bet in the second game well As we kind of feared, Brett and I were actually live on air. We were doing some live coverage of this thing. And as we feared, as we saw the time started to tick down, we knew there was going to be some bleed over. And certainly that ended up being the case. There was only about two or three minutes. I mean, five minutes tops. But I think it was uh, it, it was a little bit less than that because the game ended and then the other game kicked off in the span while we were while we were all on the air. And I think the 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 time of that runtime video, Brett, was only like six minutes. So, I mean, I, I think that, you know, the these guys had like three or four minutes to try to make bets. But that was the guys that actually had money in their accounts. The big issue was the grading system. Yeah, as it turned out, some of the participants did get paid out in time and others did not. And the complaint from some of the guys like Rufus Peabody, who has been very vocal about this uh, since it happened, was that there were people who went to the help desk towards the end of the New England game to try to accelerate their payouts after they were graded. Uh, I'm I'm still not 100% sure if that's exactly what happened. I'm very skeptical of that. I have to be honest. I, I, I'm very skeptical of that. 
But Be- that, obviously, if it did happen, that should not have been allowed. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the help desk could have done because, the, like, the, it's not getting graded by DraftKings. It's getting graded by Camby. And so right. I don't really, I don't really know what a help desk could have done. So I don't know. I'm skeptical of that. All the other stuff is true that has come out. That's the only thing that I'm minimally skeptical about. Right. But um, and dra- look, dra- DraftKings told us there was no preferential treatment during this entire process, which I do believe in true, which I do believe is true. So I just say, you know, there were there were other mistakes that did happen, though. Yeah. And I think the the biggest controversy in this that has come out and like it is the fact that is some bets that were common bets amongst players in the contest were graded out at different times. And so you could make a you could make a prop bet on player X, Y, Z, and some were getting paid out pretty much as soon as that prop hit. And then there were others that it almost was like there was someone who was arbitrarily deciding when prop bets were going to get paid out. And so some got paid, some didn't, some got paid just way later than others. So you couldn't get that money back into action into that first game if you wanted to and, and things like that. So the big discrepancy really was the grading process of all of these. There were several players who did not get money into their account in time. So whatever they finished with after the first game is just whatever they finished with. Um, We were sitting next to several guys who were just frantically refreshing their account over and over and over again. No money ever showed up. They were going to go all in. They were at least going to try to move up the leaderboard and did not have the chance to do so. So stemming from this, uh, Dustin, what we have today, and I will I will defer to you. Hopefully you've read um, more than I have. I've gotten about 17 pages deep into it, but a lawsuit has been filed on behalf of, uh, I guess, several players in the contest against DraftKings. And so what has come from all of this controversy is just today, and I will hope that, Dustin, you've read more into this than I have. I'm about 17 pages deep. I've not gotten through the entire thing here is a lawsuit a class action lawsuit that has been filed i guess on behalf of several of the players that were in the contest against DraftKings. yeah uh, i mean anybody can file a class action lawsuit but obviously with the problems here you know there's this is pretty pretty obvious this is going to happen there's people who are upset and you know any anybody sees an opportunity to you know take a swipe at DraftKings. if you have a lawyer willing to do it you're going to get a class action or you get a lawsuit so um yeah who knows what comes out of this again you can sue anybody for anything you want really um but uh you know there there are problems there are certainly problems with this i i think this ends up being a regulatory matter i don't know what uh, I don't know what you're going to get out of a lawsuit as far as like some real real money damages. Um, but yeah, I think even DraftKings like is probably not like they have admit, admitted anything publicly that they actually made a mistake. But, I, you know, I think they, they if they had it to do over again, they probably would have done something differently. So, yeah, it'll be, uh, you know, I don't I don't. You know, without you know reading the lawyer, reading the lawsuit, and being a lawyer about exactly what what went down, I'm not going to handicap whether these people are going to win or not. But uh, you know, it's out there, and I think we knew that was coming. And um, you know, DraftKings obviously would like to avoid more lawsuits in the future. Adam, from a optics standpoint, uh, when you were kind of following this whole story. Did do you think that this completely and utterly just mars like this this whole thing? I mean, it, is it from a guy kind of watching it from the outside? Is this thing just just absolutely pooped on at this point? It looked more to me like first time problems than it did. We should never do this again. Mm-hmm. It just looked to me from an from a perspective of someone following the coverage that there were things that weren't necessarily totally accounted for and that the software may not have been ready. And when you look at what's in the lawsuit and you've, you've kind of commented on this a bit, there are going to be some things that 
that show up in this lawsuit that the average person is going to look at and say, what's that all about? That anyone who has been around this for a little while is going to say, well, yeah, that's how things work. So I think there is going to be a perception problem here. Not all that dissimilar from the FanDuel Palp situation, although that was a little more straightforward uh, with what happened with FanDuel. They, if I'm reading the lawsuit correctly, it looks like they are seeking a total of north of a million dollars, including a refund of everyone's entry fee and various damages on top of that. So, Brett, one of the things that that Adam just alluded to, and like I said, I was commenting because I did get this far into the thing is that they're you know they were complaining about bets getting rejected and you know anyone that's ever been a sports better understands that there are betting limits and again this was this contest was not special from the account that we got better limits or better anything than the average joe i was i was betting personally while i was in new jersey and there were bets i was trying to put in that were getting rejected because canby just does not take those type of bets they have kind of a weird thing when it comes to correlation they really don't like you to do correlated parlays and correlated things like that and and which is you know stuff that i like try try to take advantage of here in vegas which is one of the very few i think bonuses that we have here in vegas over the stuff that goes on over there in new jersey but you know like uh, one of the things in the lawsuit was talking about an eleven hundred dollar prop bet getting rejected and, and brett i mean there are so many things that go into these props one the the limits on these props are usually way lower than eleven hundred dollars anyway and secondly like whether one prop could could uh have a higher limit than another uh, you know so many things comes into play because uh, the a player it was uh, talking about a rebound prop and like a, a player's rebound prop can change drastically if he's the backup center or if the starting center is not playing or minutes restrictions or things like that so i mean this isn't anything new for people who kind of know what's going on yeah and in that sense it really was a sports betting event because all right. the wagering that took place on DraftKings uh and like on the app i mean it's it's the same deal as you find on DraftKings every single day as part of their sports betting operations so i don't know why people were so surprised by this but i found i i'm with you i found that uh rather ridiculous inside of the inside of the complaint yeah and i i think more than anything people are just taken aback by the fact that you know it was stuff was a little bit wonky right like you didn't really know exactly what your betting limit was it was just whatever the limit that can be allows for certain bets and so you know i personally tried to make like a twenty five hundred dollar bet in the contest which they said we could only bet twenty one hundred and forty seven dollars like i you know just a random number like that right like twenty one hundred and forty seven and that's probably because some algorithm that's running over there says like now nah, we're only taking twenty one forty seven on this particular bet and so i can see where people would be maybe slightly confused but i don't think that that's anything like egregious on the fact of this uh, for, like as uh held against this contest well, yeah, and in the same way that it was DraftKings' first run at this, this was the first New Jersey sports betting experience for a lot of people on this, if not most people on this. A lot of them, I'm sure, were, were familiar with, the, with what happens in Nevada, but there are very different rules and regulations in, in New Jersey and different operators altogether. So uh, I, I think it was a learning experience for a lot of people. Yeah, we'll be following that closely as well. Of course, you can get all the updates there at the Lions and Legal Sports Report as well. So a couple of changes you can head to an article Dustin mentioned earlier. I wrote I, there's five different, you know, five basic things I think they could do to change things up. Of course, the biggest one being grading of bets. They all have to pay out uniformly. I think that is the biggest thing that would make this, you know, run a lot more smooth is just the fact that if you're if you are betting a player prop, all player props are going to be graded at the end of the game. It doesn't matter if it hits, you know, two minutes into the first quarter. 
that is just not how it's going to go. All all player props get play, paid out at the end of the game. I think that that's certainly something that is a pretty easy fix for something like this. I certainly think that you want to do this around a, a more heavy schedule in the football calendar where there's a full day of college sports and a full day of NFL sports. It was, while the atmosphere was good, Brett, I think that it could have been absolutely bananas if we just had results kind of popping all day long on Friday and Saturday. I mean, all day long on Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, let's hope the next run they do have a full slate of college football on Saturday and NFL on Sunday because the opportunity is there. And I think it would draw a much bigger crowd as well. I think that was one of the drawbacks of this first run was that there was you could only bet on the two NFL games on Sunday. Uh, that would it could create a, a massive event next time. I don't want to give away all the goods for free. So head over to the lines dot com. You can read that article over there um, before we close things out here, Dustin. Um, other operators here, I mean, we've seen kind of in the sports betting space so far, it's not necessarily been copycat, but we've certainly seen, you know, uh, these, these, especially these new operators entering the space, these kind of European-based guys have certainly not been shy to innovate, have certainly not been shy to try new things. I think, I think it's a heavy favorite that we see like four of these type of contests for, for next football season. Yeah, I mean, if you're not trying this, uh, I mean, you're not really innovating. Like, I mean, it's not it's not surprising to me, given the way DraftKings has done things that they they were the first to do this. They 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 floated the trial balloon. But yeah, I mean, if you're not Fanduel and trying to have this somewhere in the New York area, uh, yeah, I'd be I'd be surprised. You know, if you're a smaller operator who's not getting a ton of buzz now. Are you are you thinking about this as a way to get a little little more buzz and have hey we're giving away a million dollars in the sports betting competition yeah I I, I think you're absolutely right um, I mean I think you're right in that they should be doing it I'm not sure exactly who and how much but yeah I think we're gonna see more of this and this is obviously like you guys said uh, the experience of being there was cool we should like this is where we should be going with this uh, just generally we should be having new and more fun ways to bet on sports yeah absolutely and Brett uh, final takeaway here before we end the uh, a little bit longer podcast than we normally do um, what was this was your first uh, la- large experience in using kind of the New Jersey apps and betting you know in the new jersey market and things like that what were just some of the takeaways for you uh i was extremely impressed with the DraftKings app i mean i'm i'm on these apps every single day even here in new york just looking at the odds and just you know seeing what's available so nothing was really that surprising for me except for the actual like real betting experience uh i was able to take advantage of some of the bonuses on these apps which were fantastic uh very easy to understand how to uh, take advantage of those um, and just, it, it really is, I mean, these apps are leaps and bounds above what these operators in Nevada have right now. So, uh, from that side of it, I was extremely impressed with, uh, with what these, with the, the, the technology of these apps, uh, is tremendous. Yeah, absolutely. I think it is certainly, I think it was going to force some innovation, uh, in Nevada. And if it doesn't, then I've said it before, I think that it's going to be bad news, bad news, but all of these stories and more, guys. LegalSportsReport.com, OnlinePokerReport.com, TheLines.com, all of our play sites that are out there. So please head over to those. You can get the full commentary for all of those things while you're at it. Go ahead and hit the subscribe button on whatever your favorite podcast listening device is. So please subscribe to this podcast. Give us a good rating and review because we want to keep climbing the charts. It helps us get out in front of more eyeballs and ears and all things like that. And so we really appreciate that. For Adam... 
For Dustin and for Brett, I am Matt. We'll see you guys next week.